one and all, and welcome to the podcast we call The Fantastival with myself, Steve Nussbaum. This is now episode 14. I'm so happy with the way this podcast is working out. The first 13 episodes have been absolutely tremendous. Obviously, I got my friends done early on, and the last episode I had uh, one of my musical idols on, which was just absolutely phenomenal. So once again, a massive thank you to Jason Ringenberg for joining me on the past episode of the Fantastical Podcast. And if you don't know, the Fantastical Podcast is a podcast where I invite my guests to collate their fantasy festivals, which I have christened Fantastivals. But these podcasts are turning into so much more. We're talking about musical experiences, tastes, bands who aren't even making the five and having some really great conversations. And it's really making me value uh, old friendships, new friendships and on that note, I think it's probably a good time to introduce the next guest on the 14th episode of the Fantastical Podcast. So he's an old school friend of mine. We went to Geary's Infants and Junior School together in Gants Hill from 84 to 91, believe it or not. And after he finished his education, he set off to New York and became the drummer of the superb, excellent uh the mighty augustines there's a cd right here in the back I sit there. but ladies and gentlemen my guest on tonight's podcast mr robert allen hello hello wow what an introduction that was only the best for you my friend so obviously i'm in loughton you're in new york as we speak how are you my friend i'm good i'm good i can't complain it's a bit of a dreary rainy day today um it's a bit of a change. It's been like 32, 34, 36 degrees the last few days. It's been sweltering. So uh, so it's cooled off today. So, yeah, all good. Happy, smiling. Thank you for having me on, by the way. This is fun. Pleasure. Obviously, with your musical background, which we'll talk about, you were an obvious choice for me. And obviously, knowing you now for 35 years and more, uh, I was really eager to get you on. So thank you. For making the time I know you're a very busy man so I've obviously introduced you I know you very well but just in case people listening don't tell us a bit more about the myth the legend that is Robert Allen well I don't know if there's much of a myth uh, <laughs> uh, yeah so been playing drums since I was a young young lad and um, you know studied music at university and what have you and uh, I was in various bands and before, but Augustine's was probably the one that, that really, um, you know, was it got me to a place where I, I don't know if I could say famous, but you know, you would experience like the next level. Uh, we would, uh, you know, we played uh, Jay Leno, David Letterman, um, played all over the all over Europe and the U.S. and Canada. Never made it to Australia or South America, unfortunately. But um, uh, but we did, we played maybe over 500 shows. That's not including radio shows and matinees. We played, you know, supported some of the world's biggest acts, played with some of the world's biggest acts. We, uh, iTunes Band of the Year. Um, we um, sold out the Roundhouse in Camden. We, uh, we sold out, uh, oh, there's a, a, quite a, a number of big arenas around Europe. So, you know, I've got quite the education through that. Um, afterwards, it did burn me out, I won't lie. So I've taken, I took a bit of time off um, for about a year or two. Still doing some bits of, you know, some projects here, but really kind of took it easy. But now I'm getting back, in, back into it now. I've got myself a little studio and um, I'm playing every day. I'm creating every day. So hopefully, um, if all goes well, I'll start releasing... And, you know, I've, always, I've been collaborating a lot with other great artists as well. And, and, you know, I'll start sharing more info about that as the time progresses over the next six to 12 months. But, yeah, you know, doing, doing okay, all good. That's me in a nutshell. Really good. And, again, if anyone listening hasn't listened to any Augustine stuff, I really highly recommend it. And the live show that you guys done was not to be missed. And there's obviously we live in a world of technology these days and there's so many clips now on YouTube and various places to go and check out uh, live bits of music, which I hope people go and do because you were a great act and one that I will come on to a bit more later in the podcast. So obviously 
like you said, you've been drumming for so many years. I remember watching you at Geary's in random assemblies where there'd be a drum kit and you're like, oh, Rob's going to come out and absolutely smash it. And you did <laughs> every time. I remember that vividly and the excitement of watching you go up to a drum kit, uh, which was great. So without giving away too many spoilers, what, what kind of music are you into? What, what floats your boat? That's such a difficult question. Mm. I mean, you know, so I'm 40 now. Um, my musical education started around six, six or seven years old. And it's funny that you mentioned the, the school assembly because I think the first song I learned to play to was, was a Roy Orbison song. And, you know, so when I grew up, my father and my mother would always have music on. And, you know, my mother, may, she might put on anything from... Uh, Bonnie Tyler to the Beatles to, you know, my father though, you know, we'd be listening to the Trogs, the Kinks, the Small Faces, and then, and then Motown, a lot of stacks of Motown. So for a long time, you know, I was into that kind of stuff. And then as teenager, as I became a teenager, you know, Guns N' Roses, Nirvana, that stuff. And then, so then suddenly I was a big rock fan. And even getting into some metal bands too, you know, like Pantera and stuff like that. Um, and Metallica and Megadeth and, you know, but that wasn't just it. That was the, the funny thing about me was on the same mixtape, I'd have that and then I'd have, you know, ABBA or I'd have like Happy Hardcore or I'd have some reggae or I'd have, you know, so there was never one type of music that I listened to. Um, it's funny now as I've got older and I've been playing a lot and touring a lot, I don't listen to as much music as I used to. You know, life was, wasn't life if I didn't have music on when I was a younger person. But now I don't listen to as much, but I do listen to music, but just nowhere, nowhere is near. Um, but to answer your question, currently, uh, what have I been listening to? There's a, an Australian artist called Simon. It's like S-Z-Y-M-R-N. Uh, um, I've been getting into, uh, the, he passed away. Um, and, but people in the Australian, he was Australian, people in the Australian music community uh, thought he was such a special artist that they finished his work and then they released wow. it and they toured it for him. And, um, and, they, and they keep releasing stuff and it's really, I like it a lot. It's really good. If you don't know it, check it out. It's, it's, uh, Oh, when you've been when you're getting put on the spot, I'm like, what have I been listening to? <laughs> um, and I can't say there's a couple of acts I can't say because they they're on my list. Spoilers, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> spoilers. No spoilers uh, just yet. So let me take you back then to Gantz Hill, mid '80s to late '80s. Your first musical experience in terms of purchasing music. Do you remember that? Where it was and what you bought? A lot of the music. No, I don't. I remember the, on Barkinson High Street, I don't know if you can remember the name, there was a little record store. Trumps. Oh, man, Trumps. Hey, Trumps has come up. Paul Levy was Trumps. I think Neil Slotnick was Trumps. Trump's well, that was a legendary uh, record store. That and the library. I remember I would go to the Gantz Hill and Ilford library and I'd go to the record collection and I'd just take home whatever they had. And uh, whatever it was, you know, whatever was available, I'd take it home. I think you were, you, were, you had, I think you were allowed five. Yeah. Five CDs, I think. Yeah, I remember, could, yeah. So, you know, and you had like, you could have them for like two weeks. And that was enough time to listen to an album and, and you know, see if you liked it. Uh, but my, my, you know, I, I remember, I remember getting a lot of music for free. My, my brother gave me a bunch of stuff. Um, I've got two brothers. So my brother Wayne, the oldest, he gave me uh, a bunch of stuff. And on there was Manic Street Preachers, Stone Temple Pilots. Wow. Um, and I hadn't heard these bands. And this is, I was like, oh, this is great. Who are these guys? REM, Automatic for the People. And a bunch of it, you know. So I was getting a lot of stuff from family. I remember my mother buying me Nevermind uh, when I was like 15, maybe. Um, and that was life changing. That, you know, not to be all doom and gloom, but this this shows you how important that man to me, Kurt Cobain, and that band was as a kid. 
to the fact that when he passed, when he died, my mother knew that he meant so much that she came up because I guess she was up early that day. And, and she came up and woke me up very early in the morning and told me, you know, that Kurt had passed. And I just thought that was, that was amazing. Oh. You know, if it, I, I wonder if, it, if it, even if it was friends or like, would she have just waited until I got up? But, but with Kurt, you knew, I don't know. It was just strange. I've always thought about that. Like, she thought, oh, wow, Kurt Cobain's passed. Robert's going to be really sad. I better wake him up and tell him. Um, so that band really changed my life. But I can mention them because they're not on that. <laughs> which, which I know, that was, a, that was a tough point. That was a tough thing not to include them, but they're not. Um, yeah, so, so I don't remember the first, I don't remember the first album I actually, actually, no, tell a lie. I'm going to guess it was a Nirvana record, but it was either in utero or in Cesticide. Okay. Because I remember taking a trip up to HMV uh, in um, Oxford Circus. We obviously love HMV on this podcast. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have not been paid for endorsing <laughs> this product. Um, yeah, so uh, I, uh, yeah, I think that's it. We'll go with that. I think it was in utero or in Cesticide. And, you know, taking a big trip with your friends up to, you know, HMV yeah. or Tower Records or whatever it was, or Virgin. Um, you know, that was always a fun, fun day out. Yeah, always something that we used to do. Get a, get a travel car for £3.60 and then hit Bond Street and work your way down back yeah, in the day. Remember? <laughs> yes, man. Yes, man. <laughs> I don't think you can get on the subway for the tube for £3.60 now, can you? Not a chance, mate. Not a chance. Obviously... This is all about collating your fantasy festival. So what kind of festival experience have you had? As firstly, a music fan, did you get to go to many? And then obviously, Augustine's were lucky enough to play quite a few, well, at least in the UK, from what, from what I remember. Uh, so um, I didn't, as a young um, music fan, I think the only festival that I went to was Ozfest. Um, and Pantera, it was their first uh, visit to the UK, you know, for three years. Um, Ozzy Osbourne, Black Sabbath, it was like, you know, uh, Foo Fighters are there. There was a bunch of, I think, um, Therapy was there. There was a bunch of bands. Um, I thought, oh, you know, it's worth a trip down to Milton Keynes because it was at the Milton Keynes Bowl. Um, that was the my real... And there must have, well, I did Hyde, you know, um, was it um, the Princess Trust at Hyde Park? Yeah. You know, I saw, you know, I saw a few, uh, that, that, that was a, kind of a festival, I guess. Uh, but my festival experiences, I don't really, you know, I don't really, I didn't really have that many, not that I can think of. Um, we go to Notting Hill Carnival and stuff like that, but that wasn't really the same as a music festival. So I didn't really get to go to much. But, with Augustine's, we played a ton. Hmm. I mean, the whole summer for seven years was festivals. So, you know, I had some crazy experiences. Um, Charles Bradley, do you know who Charles Bradley is? Yes, rings a bell here. Okay, Charles Bradley, if, if no one knows this guy, he released his first record when he was like 64 years old or something, 63, 64. His first record, it was found... You know, the Dap Kings, Dap Tone Records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, I met him backstage and uh, he was just a beautiful soul. Like he come out, he was homeless. I mean, this guy's story was in some ways very tragic. Uh, he was homeless, but you know, music saved him in the end. And I got to meet some amazing people. I got to meet him. Um, so I, I, got, I have a very good Radiohead story from Coachella. Go for it, man. Um, what you know, here for? Uh, what's that? Sorry. What we're here for? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll, well, basically, so oh, I'll try and keep it short. Um, so Coachella was, you know, it's a big, big one in California. It was hundred plus thousand people. Um, long story short, me and a couple of friends. Um, my friend uh, was uh, friends in the management at Radiohead and said uh, they're having an after party. Do you want to come? 
And about, this was like, they just finished their set. It's about two in the morning. And I went, yeah, all right, why not? So we jumped in the car. She goes, I was out in Palm Springs. So we go, and Palm Springs is about 45 minutes away. And it's a, it's a very affluent place. The Four Seasons, which is where the, the party was being held. Very, very fancy hotel. Like, super fancy hotel. So she's in this banged up 1980s Chevelle. Like, I mean, it's, it's all like rusted. It's like this awful pukey orange. This car's horrible. There's about there's three or four of us in the car. We're driving up. And then after, you know, after about 20 minutes, it dawns on me. I'm sitting there going, what am I doing? There's no way Radiohead are coming out. This is going to be rubbish. Now we're going to get there. There's going to be no one there. It's going to, oh, what am I doing? And I was just getting annoyed. That I was because I had to drive out to Fort, you know, to Palm Springs, and it was already two in the morning, three in the morning. So we get there, and the bouncer doesn't want to let me in. Right, I've got the pass, I've got the the, the uh, wristband that says I could go in, but for whatever reason, doesn't like boy goes, no, no, mate, you're not coming in. So my mates go, hold on, stay there, we'll sort it out. So the management comes out and pulls me in. So when you get in there, it's like they have like these various gardens and each garden's kind of cornered off and they're, they're very, they're big. And you walk in and all I can see are like glitzy people, you know, like fashionable dudes, super model-esque ladies. And, you know, people of what you might think of musical power, like industry folk, no band, but that kind of people. And I was like, ah, oh, this is going to, and already I was annoyed. I was like, this is, <laughs> And then, so there's, but there's, what well, the good thing was, there was a table um, that was, I don't know, it was so long. And it was just full of every bottle of booze you could think of. Like every top shelf, bottom shelf, everything, they had it. And I had a couple of guys in like, you know, all weighted up in a very smart white waiter suits serving you. And after a while, they just walked away to let you get on with it. So, you know, so that was fine. So we, I've got my drink on a bit, but I'm sitting again, this is rubbish. So my friends come over and they're talking to me and stuff. And then, and then they start laughing. They kind of start giggling amongst themselves. And I know something's up. And I'm like, what are you laughing at? And they kind of like, they're, they're glancing their eyes behind me. So I kind of look behind and there, it's Tom York. Um, Johnny Greenwood. Uh, yeah, Greenwood. Yeah. Um, uh, the drummer, Selway Phil. Yeah. Philip, actually prefers Philip, I found out when I spoke to him. But anyway, so they're all there. And so, my, and so Vic, and I met Vic because Vic was a, a, a celebrity photographer, basically. And how I met Vic was when we were playing ACL, Austin City Limits, a big festival out. And it was about 150 degrees when we played it. And Bill, I remember, like, passed out from, um, it was so hot. After we did the gig, he was just exhausted and dehydrated and we had to get him on oxygen so we get him on oxygen and we go back to the trailer and guy garvey of elbow is in our trailer on the on the sofa and we go sorry mate you, i think you got the wrong trailer and he's hammered he's absolutely he's pissed out of his head <laughs> and he goes no way what are you doing in my trailer i said no no you in our trailer mate you know i think and he, he you know he's got oh, fuck off this is my trailer i hope i can swear sorry and uh and then, and then he realises, just that split moment, he's like, oh, hold on, I am in the wrong trailer. And he starts pissing himself laughing. He goes, I'm really sorry, guys, I'm really sorry. Why don't you come and have a drink with us and come and hang out? And we'd love to, let me buy you a drink. So he said, yeah, all right. So we come out into the, into the courtyard and we go and sit with Elbow, the whole band, all their crew. And that's how I met Vic. And, um, and I'd... I'd seen Guy after that. You know, really nice bloke, Guy. Lovely person. The next morning, funny enough, when we were going to get in our van to go to the next gig, I saw Guy, and he had these big black shades on, and his face—he looked like mate. He looked rough. <laughs> he was—he was doing an interview. It was about nine a.m., and you could tell he was just not into it. He just did not want to be there. Bless him. Anyway, so that's how I met Vic. So Vic, you know, we were at the Coachella, and Vic goes to me. Right, now they're here, you've got to go and talk to them now. So I went, what? She goes, yeah, go on, go and mingle. That's what it's about. So I said, all right. So I beelined it over to, over to where Philip Selway was. Because he's a drummer and I, I could talk to him. And then so I ended up talking to someone else. And this English person, 
turns, Dot notices my accent and turns around and says, hello, mate, where are you from? I said, oh, from, you know, I was born in Gantz Hill, Ilford, like East London. He goes, oh, he goes, what's your name? I said, oh, Rob, I plan a bank on all these things. He goes, oh, my name's Nigel. I said, oh, Nigel, nice to meet you. I didn't click that it was Nigel Godrich. You know, right. he, yeah. yeah, I didn't click. I didn't, it didn't. So I'm just chatting away to Nigel and, it, and like Vic's laughing. So I'm like, what are you laughing at now? So you know, well, that was Nigel Godrich. And I was like, oh, bloody hell, was it? I'm like, oh, no. And I felt really stupid, you know, because I probably had said something silly. It was four, four o'clock in the morning at this point. So, and then, so anyway, I got introduced to Philip and I hung out with Philip and uh, we were talking drums, super nice, super lovely guy. And what was really, really special about this was later on, I saw him in Bilbao, uh, we did a, a festival in Bilbao in Spain and I'm walking through and Philip sees me and he goes, Oi, Rob! And I turn around and he waves, he waves at me. I, I'll never forget it. Like, you didn't have to do that. I mean, what am I? I'm just some, you know, just some drummer and some, I mean, that's Radiohead. Like, yeah, of course. Our parents had the Beatles. Like, we got Radiohead. I mean, the only other band I can think of that had four geniuses, three geniuses in it, like the Beatles had. So, you know, so super nice guys, basically. Anyway, so this is the where it gets the good story in the Radiohead bit, right? <laughs> so, so anyway, so Nigel Godrich goes and do go. He goes, well, I've got to go and DJ. So in the back of the party. There's this little, I guess, it looks like a conservatory. And you go in, and that's where Nigel Godrich is going to DJ. So we walk in there, and Tom York is on a desk, on a decks. Right? So he's, he's, like, he's playing music, and then basically, Nigel, so we're dancing. We're just kind of there dancing around. Nigel Godrich comes in, he relieves Tom York. Tom York walks right over to me, stands next to me. And he starts doing that mad dance that he does. If you picture like him in yeah. every video, and he does that crazy dance, he just starts doing it next to me. I lost my shit. I lost <laughs> it. I couldn't believe it. I was like, what is going on? And the girls were pissing themselves because, you know, they could just see my face. It must have been a picture. I was so shocked because I'm watching him do the iconic you know, Tom York dance with his twitchy eye and his head's like peering <laughs> around, you know, <laughs> he's like tweaking or something. I was like, mate, this is brilliant. And ended up talking with, um, oh, what's it called? I forgot his name, uh, the guitar player. Uh, Green not Green, the other one, uh, the big tall dude. Oh, oh I can't believe I've gone oh, black. Yeah. Anyway, so we were talking, we, we just hung out till like six in the morning talking about, um, Talking about smoothies, funny enough. <laughs> Big in-depth conversation about smoothies, as you do, yeah. So, Great story. Well, I mean, there's loads. I just can't remember half of them. But, you know, there was always fun stuff going on, you know. It was intense, though, man. It was intense. I imagine. I won't lie to you. I can imagine. Full on. Um, and it was very hard. It was, it was not easy. But, you know, there were some really good moments as well, for sure. So lots and lots of festival experience. So before we come on to your lineup, just one more question about live music for you. As a fan, do you have a favourite gig? And as obviously being in Augustine's, do you, is there any one gig that stands out? So for me, see, I saw Augustine's a couple of times. I was lucky enough to see them. But the time that stands out for me was seeing you the first time. And I knew you was in the new band. I hadn't heard anything. And I went to Coco with uh, our good friend Paul and our mm. respective wives. And um, I didn't know what to expect. And I'm, again, support acts as well. Support acts for most of the time aren't very good for the most part. And I don't like Las Vegas too much, but I appreciate them. I was like, oh, I'm not sure I can be asked to do this. Went there and for 40 minutes, you, again, I was just absolutely shell-shocked by what I saw from like the first moment. I remember like you started, I think it was Chapel song you started with. And I was like, this is brilliant. And again, I had no preconceptions. I didn't know it was going to be three guys. I didn't know what the sound was going to be like. And obviously, Billy, who you've mentioned, was really into it. The sound was great. There was real energy and vibe. Um, so that, for me, stands out as a musical experience that I've shared with you, a live one that I thought was absolutely amazing. So thank you for you know, being part of that band who had that experience with me. Oh, that's very kind. That's very nice of you. Thanks, man. That's very sweet. Uh, I remember that gig. 
And I, you know, I was heartbroken to hear that Coco had got burnt down. Yeah. We'd, we'd headlined that place ourselves. We had played there with supporting the uh, uh, people too. And, uh, you know, yeah, that's a beautiful venue. Love playing there. So the question is, my favourite gig I ever went to? Yeah. Uh, there's been a few. There's been a few. Um, uh, you know, but there's one that stands... There's there's one that stands out. Um, okay, well, I'll say this. So I played. We played a festival in Madrid, and and oh, I've got another funny story about Flavor Flav as well. About that just <laughs> coming to my head. I know I could go on forever. Um, I, I, if if we've got time at the end, I'll tell you it. I'll tell yeah, you. Yeah, it. absolutely. Um, so, but we were playing this gig in Madrid. And um, and at the end, afterwards, it was like, okay, you've done your, you, you know, go and have fun, you know, just be ready to leave at ten a.m. We had a we had a hotel, you know, you know whatever. So, but the festival goes on all night. It goes into four, five, or six o'clock in the morning. So I went up to the VIP section. The VIP section was outside. It wasn't inside. It was like a big, um, I guess, platform that was kind of launched into the air so you can and it was quite far back from the from the stages but you could see all three stages yeah or two stages sorry and and i'd figured out that it, there was banner horses was banner horses then it was um oh perry farrell's band um, oh, james addiction james addiction uh banner horses then it was d antwood who i absolutely loved and then the prodigy that, that's like a mini fantastical of its own mate dude i've watched i just sat there so i went up to the guy the, you know i didn't have any kind of pass i just had the the you know the uh i just had the regular artist pass but i mean the lucky gets you to a toilet you know yeah. and uh, so i had to blag my way into this i said mate go on do me a favor let me go in there he goes yeah go on you're all right go on you're on your own i said yeah just i just want to watch the bands and not get mobbed well, I have to go all the way. So he goes, yeah, no, I got you. Go on, in you go. So he put me all the way in the back where it's free drinks. So he goes, yeah, go on, just sit in here. No one to bother you. I thought, this is a result. So I had my own little like VIP section. Amazing. And so I watched, I watched all those four, but it was like one after the other. So like, they had two stages. So, you know, Band of Horses came on. As soon as they went off, then it was James Addiction. As soon as they went off, the Ant would come on. And as soon as that went off, the Prodigy. And... All those four together, like it was one of the most memorable, most amazing gig nights I've ever had in my life. But the Prodigy, I've seen them like four or five times. I love that band. I mean, the most I saw, and I would say probably my favourite time seeing them though was was in New York, the Nokia Theatre. I don't think it is there anymore. And but we got there early and we got down to the front. There was the most intense, most brutal hard-hitting, high-octane. It was, and, and I know the drummer. I knew the drummer because through, um, uh, he, had a, uh, he had a mad name like Snowball or something. And uh, I met him a couple of times because he used to sell in-ear monitors. And um, anyway, I, I digress. But, but yeah, he was a lovely guy he was. Um, but I remember watching him and seeing that gig. Oh, it was phenomenal. I was heart, obviously, I mean, he passed away, didn't he, recently? Yeah, yeah. yeah. but bless him. But um, one of the best bands, period. Like, yeah. period. I've seen everyone, pretty much. I mean, I was lucky to, was touring, you'd see everyone. And, like, some of the perks, you'd get tickets to see some, like, you know, some of the big guys, you might get tickets or whatever to come through. <clears throat> you know, I saw Paul McCartney through management and stuff like that. And, um, but Prodigy, top three. But they don't make the list. Uh, they don't make the list. Which is, which is crazy because I love them. But, you know, I, 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 had, to, I had to kind of carve this fantastical out in a way that wasn't just for me, but I think what everyone else would appreciate too. So. Absolutely. So speaking of the fantastical, I mentioned it at the beginning. The podcast is all about the guests collating their fantasy festival. So Rob gets to choose five acts. One must play one of their studio albums in full. And to finish the Fantastical, we have an encore, which all five acts will perform one song at the Ever 
to end your fantastical. So very simple, five acts, five time slots. So I mentioned Jason Ringenberg at the beginning. So in the last episode, he had Bob Dylan and he was very specific on years. The first guest who's gone for years of the performer. So two to three, Bob Dylan from 1960 in Jason's opening slot. In the second slot, Jason went for Wanda Jackson circa 1956. In his Midway Masters slot, Jason went for Brownie McGee and Sonny Terry, a duo from back in the old school. Amazing. Go and check them out. I knew of them, but didn't know much of their stuff. Amazing. Uh, in his pre-headline slot, Jason went for Jerry Lee Lewis. King wow. Rock and Roll, great choice. And it's a headlining festival. Jason pulled out Bob Dylan again, but this time Bob Dylan and the band from 1966 and had them playing Highway 61 revisited. And for the encore, had Life of Rolling Stone. So... It's that simple, any five acts, any genres, dead, alive. Jason had the same act twice, which has never been done before, but hell, this is fantastical, you can do what you want. So very important in Rob, before we start going with your acts, we need to get a name for your fantastical and we need to get a location. So what are we naming Robert Allen's fantastical? Uh, the name of my festival is the Kings County Music Festival. And the reason why it's called the Kings County Music Festival is because Brooklyn is in Kings County. And where it would be located is the uh, iconic Prospect Park. Nice. Now, I live in Queens, and I would have it in Queens if I could, but there's nowhere really here to, uh, that's suitable to, to have an iconic large festival of my liking so i moved over to brooklyn <laughs> brooklyn new york and uh yeah king's county music festival at uh, prospect park sounds good to me so we've got a name we've got a venue so before we get onto the five acts everyone tells me how difficult it is getting down a list of just the five acts any bands or acts that you want to shout out that we've already spoken about nirvana we've already spoken about prodigy some bands you mean an awful lot to who haven't made your five any other bands, acts that you want to shout out before we get going with the five? Yeah, so I played a, I can't remember what festival it was. I think it was in Germany, maybe. And we, we were playing after, I think we were playing after, after them. I can't, but The Hives, you remember The Hives? Yeah, I remember The Hives, yeah. Good live band as well. Oh, well, that is the thing. So I went and watched them. My goodness. What a band live. Like, if, even if you don't like the music, doesn't matter. Yeah, absolutely. They are incredible. Their their staff, uh, their crew dresses up as ninjas, right? And they're running on the stage as ninjas. No, yeah. brilliant. Like the, the drum tech had like nunchuck. They looked like nunchucks with his ninja outfit, and but they were phenomenal. High octane energy sounded great. The the drummer did a snare change. I've never seen. You see guitarists changing guitars. The drummer did a snare change, which I could only say was a complete piss take and like if <laughs> you to everyone else you know i loved them and so they were what they were on the list very early on i was like just because of that i thought the hives yeah definitely like you want them opening up your festival for you because you're going to get everyone pumped immediately and then you know and then and then in the same thinking there's a band from holland that i that again that i saw never knew they were a dutch rock a Dutch hip-hop band called Crunchy Pappy. And Crunchy Pappy, I think, means like a wart on a cow's ass, <laughs> Like a big pimple that cows grow or something. And in Dutch, it's like Crunchy Pappy. So, um, and they're like this amazing Dutch hip-hop group. It's spelled K-R-A-N-J-E-P-A-P-P-I-E, I think. Okay. Um, but if you type it in, Google, you'll get, you'll show yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, they were brilliant. Just awesome live acts. And, and some of their music, when I saw them, they were kind of fairly fresh, but they were very popular in Holland. And, um, and so they didn't have a load of music out, but, but definitely check them out because they're great. I even had Simon and Garfunkel in there for a bit. Yeah, they've been mentioned before. They've been mentioned before. They've never been in someone's five, but they often get mentioned in someone who's just missed yeah. out. Yeah, because they're like, I mean, Paul Simon, some of the Garfunkel. Yeah. Uh, pretty iconic. Um, and then, obviously, you know, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, I was thinking about. Jimi Hendrix, I was thinking about. Some of the more iconic, you know, because the way I'm approaching it is like, who you know, like 
you get the chance to see five amazing acts. I know there's a lot, but you want your mind blown. Absolutely. Um, my five is, I hope, to the level of where everyone would go, yeah, yeah, that'd be pretty, that'd be pretty sick to go and see those guys. <laughs> I hope. I hope, I hope. I hope I make everyone happy. So Let's do it then. You've mentioned the five, so let's get cracking. So it's two o'clock, Kings County Music Festival, sold out. Prospect Park is absolutely packed. A lovely, beautiful summer's day, mate. Two o'clock, time for the opening act. So Rob, who is opening your fantastical? Um, and also, just before we, we do this, when do I tell you who, play, who plays the, the full-length album? Do it at the end. Okay. Do that at the end. So the opening act is Steely Dan. Oh, good choice, Steely Dan. Still going as well. Oh well, after um, well, to a certain extent, yeah. He passed, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm so bad with names nowadays. Jesus. Um, yeah, I grew up learning a lot of their drums. Even now, like now, I've gone back to learning a lot of the basics to get, to get my my drumming back up to where it needs to be. And I'm playing a lot of Steely Dan, Bernard Purdy, Steve Gadd, um, Jim Keltner, all these iconic drummers that, that, that you know, um, I grew up loving and listening to and are very important for education. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah, so Steely Dan is, is, I think that'd be an amazing gig. Just playing, you know, some of the, some of the hits that they had. Any type and of hero from Steely Dan or you just you know, happy to do like a greatest hit set? Oh yeah, give us the hits, baby. Give us the hits. <laughs> oh yeah, come on, just just let it all out. Oh man, could you imagine? It'd be amazing. If that phenomenal. So that's my number one. That's my opening act. So massive, massive statement of intent there. Steely Dan, open your festival. They'll play for an hour then, so they'll open the Kings County Music Festival again. A very influential band, and again, still going in some capacity. I think they played the O2 in London about a year ago. Or two years ago, and a few mates went said it was really good and really oh, enjoyed that. Like the the cream of the crop as far as musicianship. Yeah. Like everyone that plays on that stage is just tip top. You know, it's going to be great. It's not not going to be great. <laughs> Even the bad day for them is going to be like an amazing gig. So you know. So Steely Dan open your fantastical. So they are the first act. So that leads us on nicely then to half past three. So the super seconds act will get an hour as well to follow Steely Dan. So Rob, who is going to take your super second slot? The Clash. Oh, brilliant. First time they've been mentioned. Uh, what? Festival. Yeah. One of the most, in, like, the most important bands of, our, of <laughs> world music history, not just, not just British music history. Like, oh, incredible. There's this an amazing, awesome band with political issues, bringing you know certain things to light when it wasn't fashionable to do so incredible songwriters just uh uh i i was recording no i was rehearsing once in in uh north london and uh, and um he was uh he was uh rehearsing next door oh really yeah what, drummer or yeah joe strummer and the and uh, Jones, Heroes or whatever it is. Yeah, oh, it was. Okay, um, yeah. yeah, I think I think it was them that was uh, rehearsing next door. And I remember was we were playing, and we went shh shh shh. Oh, hold on, shh shh shh. Is that Joe Strummer? I'll never forget it. And we all like had our ears up against the wall, so I try, you know trying to trying to work it out. And then we all went out, and just sat outside the room and listened to Joe Strummer rehearse. That's an amazing story. They definitely they changed the face of music, didn't they? And they're still massively influential on bands today uh, artwork fashion sense you know music musical writing just incredible just awesome what a band yeah, yeah. And, you know, they should, i mean it's controversial maybe putting them in second second place but you know there's more to come so I don't know. Great choice. Great choice. Should I stay or should I go? London calling, rock the cast bar, I thought the law, lost in the supermarket, loads of others. Already, but already, already everyone's starting and singing. Yeah, absolutely. I go and see um, Jesse Marlin quite a lot when he comes over. He's obviously 
a New Yorker. He always, always does one or two Clash covers. Again, an artist who I really like. And he always, always references Joe Strummer um, and plays a few Clash covers. A great artist. But, mate, great choice there with the Clash. Again, uh, an amazing first two acts. You're not taking this lightly at all. So, Steely Dan open. The Clash take the super second slot. So, they play for an hour, which leads us on to the midway master slot. So, who is going to take the difficult uh, job of following the Clash? There's only one person that could probably do that, and that's Johnny Cash. Ah, uh, Johnny Cash, another first for the Fantastical. Johnny Cash makes his Fantastical debut. Johnny Cash, I mean, what a legacy, what a career that man had, right? I was sitting there thinking, because, you know, when you're talking about when I played drums in the seminary, I had Roy Orbison. And then Roy Orbison, you know, Johnny, that whole scene, you know, led me to, to find out about Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash... We know how important he was musically, but that man didn't give a shit, did he? Let's be honest. I mean, he was tough. I mean, he did what he wanted. And, um, and so influential, incredible. I mean, try writing a song like A Boy Named Sue. Like, I mean, you listen to the lyrics of that. It's so clever. And, and uh, like, clearly a very high level of, of songwriting. And he did it for years. Years and years and years, constantly, you know, keeping up that. And that's one thing. It's one thing getting there, but it's keeping the, keeping at that high level as a performer and as an artist. Johnny Cash, like, what can you say? You know, how many artists have covered his music over the years? Yeah, absolutely. And he done covers, didn't he, towards the end of his career with the American... Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he, he did a Soundgarden tune, I remember. And I think he said... And he, when I remember reading or what, watching an interview... And he said it didn't really matter what genre the song was from. It was like, if it's a good song, it's a good song. Forget <laughs> that. I was like, yes, Johnny, speak the truth, brother. Speak the truth. But yeah, I mean, some people will just know him as the guy who sings Hurt and won't know that's a cover, obviously, of a nine-inch. Nine-inch, yeah, that's right. Yeah, but look, I mean, he smashed it too. Absolutely. Oh, smashed it. Like, it's an incredible cover. Yeah, you get his release. Was uh, yeah, just I mean, well, everyone on my list, I feel like he's in, in that level, you know. An amazing lady. That's what I wanted to do though, like you, you want to go and get your mind blown. And again, the thing about Johnny Cash that I always respect is that he done two live albums at prisons, and again, with record label saying don't do that, that that is not logistical. And again, this is the sixties and the seventies, but no one, no one else is doing. No it. He goes and plays to prisons, and he goes and writes a song about the prison, and incites a riot in the prison. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and I guess I think the prisoners also felt cared about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every, imagine it. Every prisoner in the country, Folsom, you know, not just Folsom, but the whole country probably was like, dude, this guy rocks. Yeah. Supporters for life. I know, I'm sure that wasn't in his thinking when he did it, but I mean, you know, nevertheless. I'm yeah. people, but Ring of Fire, I Walk the Lion. Like so, so many great, great hits. So Johnny Cash will get an hour at your Fantastical. So he'll finish up at six. So that leads us on then to half six. So the time for the pre-headline act, they're going to get an hour and a half. So who is going to do your pre-headline slot? Now, this one was tricky. <laughs> this was tricky. And I also realised that the the currently the festival was male heavy and i didn't want I, I definitely i love you know women artists i'm big support of women's rights and you know power to the to the ladies and uh so i didn't want this to be i actually wanted to try and split it i found it very difficult but um the pre-headline I, I started with beyonce no i started with aretha franklin and then i changed to beyonce then I went back to Aretha and then I went to Madonna and I was sitting there and I was, I'm going around, I'm going around. I'm like, and if it was Madonna, it could be in the eighties, but like, you know, but like the, the guy before where he was doing years, yeah, I was thinking, yeah, yeah. it was like, I'd me, Madonna, but I'd want... I would put, if I was to choose Madonna, it'd be just eighties, maybe yeah, early nineties, like, like a version. Exactly. Agreed. Agreed. So that's where I was thinking. And then it went, and Nina Simone <laughs> came to me in the light 
And Nina, baby, sing your heart out for us, girl. Nina Simone. Could you imagine Nina? Oh, oh, it'd be amazing. Because also, everyone has to sing together at the end. So a lot of these have been chosen with that in mind too. Because currently now, we've got Steely Dan and The Clash with Johnny Cash and Nina Simone playing a song of my choice together as the encore. Already that's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. But again, Nina Simone, another amazingly influential artist. No Nina Simone, probably no Springfield, no Winehouse. You can forget about kind of all of them. And again, hits like Feeling Good, which so many people have covered from, you know, more jazz acts to bands like Muse, who've done Feeling Good and then brought it to like another audience. I put a spell on you and Credence covered that. I remember Credence covering that um, ages ago. My baby just cares for me. Yeah. So many, so many awesome tracks from Nina. She was iconic. She was, she was a very strong, uh, strong presence for the black community too, uh, which was important, especially around that, you know, for yeah. the sixties and seventies. Even now, we look, you know, I think she passed in two thousand and three, but all her life, you know, she was such. A, a beacon for, for, for you know, um, I guess the black community and, and civil rights and, and just human rights and, 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 but as a musician, as an artist, just phenomenal all round and definitely deserves to be mentioned because, you know, she's iconic. And, and I, and I, you know, some people might say, what? To see Trump, Aretha Franklin, for me she does. I, I think I think Nina is just there was something special. I mean, Aretha was the, she was the you know she's the the queen of soul, but I don't know Nina. She just had the, an air of just class about her. She was she just she was this aura of just awesomeness. Oh, an incredible artist. She's amazing. So Nina, sing it, sing to us, baby. <laughs> That's the beauty of collecting your own fantasy festival, Rob. You can choose who you want. It's your completely 100% your choice. So Nina Simone makes her fantastical debut. She takes your pre-headline slot. She plays for an hour and a half up to eight o'clock. So now it's half eight. Time for your headline act. We're going to get two and a half hours to start closing the Kings County Music Festival. So Rob, your first four acts have been spot on. Who is taking your headline slot? Do you want to take a guess? No. Do you want to have a stab? <laughs> I've got no idea, my friend. I mean, you've got a very, you've got a real variation in music. In Steely Dan, you've got kind of jazz, rock, pop, funk. funk. They all have a soulful element to them. They all, they all talk about important issues, and they, you know, and they all, in their own time, like if you look at just um, in the time frames that they existed, from the sixties, seventies, you know. Um, all the way up to the 90s, they all had a very important part. Um, so I, I actually feel that this works good together. Um, the headline act was the first name on the sheet and didn't leave. Oh. Also, it didn't, it was the first one. It, it kind of sculpted the whole Fantastical, actually. It was like, how do I fit these acts around, the around this? And, um, and also, who's going to play two and a half hours? And who's going to entertain you for the whole time? And who's going to have you on the edge of your seat? The one and only James Brown. Oh, brilliant. James Brown, second time on the Fantastical. So he was, he was Daniel Stone's Midway Martyrs Act. Um, and so he takes your headline slot. So tell us about your kind of relationship with the music of James Brown. Then. Uh, well, you know, he's been in every... I mean, I think everyone's growing up with James Brown at some point. He's yeah. been on every kind of movie you can think of is you know if his soundtrack's been on films shows commercials radio stations parents grandparents record collections i mean everyone knows james brown you have a five-year-old walking so you have a james brown he's gonna say yeah i know who james brown is <laughs> everyone knows who james brown is and if you guys if you know people listening if you haven't if you haven't seen this before you must do this right now just pause this go onto youtube and type in james brown dancing instruction video 
All right. It's it's uh, it's filmed in the sixties or seventies. I think seventies. It's very low quality, but he does the he goes hoo, hoo, yeah hoo, and he's doing all like the, the mashed potato and the boogaloo and all these. Stuff. But it's he's showing you how to do them. It's the most phenomenal video you'll ever see. I think I've watched it about a thousand times. No lie. It's, Can you do the moves though? Have you learned how to do the moves? Oh, you'll kick back. Come on, mate. I'm from Gansill. Us boys <laughs> from Gansill, we know how to dance. Absolutely. No, we know how to groove. Absolutely. I mean, James Brown, I, get, I, I spoke about it on the Dan episode, but so many hits. Get up off that thing. The boss. Again, a massive feature in the lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. Oh, that's yeah. Payback. Yeah. What a riff. Like, also, like, I, know, I, I mean, for me as a drummer as well, I play, uh, I play to James Brown all the time. Right. And all the stories I heard, I don't know if they were true, but apparently he would do three strikes, you're out, which I always thought was crazy. So if you watch any live footage, he'll point at the band. And what it was said, I think some drummers, some of the people that would play with him have said, yeah, if you made a mistake and he heard it, he'd point at you and go, one, I'll give you one. And oh, if wow. he made another one, he'd point two and he'd give you two. And three strikes, you're out. And yet that was it. You're done. What's that? Now, I don't know how true that is, but apparently that I think, I think that was one. Of the, I don't know if that was the drummer that had said that, but yeah, it's, it's rumored that he would do that a lot. And he was, he was, it was, if it wasn't the nicest bloke I heard. You know, he'd, he'd, he'd get you under the, under the, under his thumb. I could buy you a house, buy you a car, get you in the family, but then he would, you know, he'd hold you, he'd have you. Big expectations, right? <clears throat> yeah. So I don't know, but. You know that didn't uh, that didn't uh, change my mind. He's still the good Godfather of funk and soul, oh, man. Oh yeah, absolutely great, great choice there. So now we've got your five acts. Who's going to play an album in full? What album did you decide? Because again, that's a very tough ask with all these artists. No, this is easy for me. This is actually this actually the reason why I chose the band because I was able to listen to this album in full. It was uh, Asia by Steely Dan. Damn. Good choice. Amazing records. Some of my favourite drummers playing that record. There's not one bad one bad song at all. It's it's the whole record is it's a perfect record. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's not a bad. It's just nothing bad about the way it sounds, the songs, the the, the way they were constructed, the way the the track listing, the artwork, the the mem the different artists that played on that record, just phenomenal. If you haven't heard it. Stick it on, go listen to it, give it a few goes. I promise you, you'll fall in love with that record. It's awesome. Great synopsis off that album. So, Steely Dan, take your album. So, at least one thing left to decide. So, James Brown, just two and a half hours. The crowd are just absolutely going crazy. It's now 11 o'clock, so it's time for your encore. So, one song which Steely Dan, The Clash, Johnny Cash, Nina Simone, and James Brown are all going to perform together to close your Kings County Music Festival. So what song have you gone for? <laughs> this honestly was the hardest thing. And I tried to think of a song that could, that, that all these artists could adapt in their own style or could at least play together. And a song that I thought that was meaningful. And also I wanted to nod to a band that didn't make the list. How can the Beatles, one of the greatest bands in the world, not make this list? So I thought, you know what? I'll give them a song. I'll tell you what, sorry to cut you off. There's one of the biggest surprises of this podcast so far is we're 14 episodes in. No one has chosen Lennon. No one has chosen McCartney. The Beatles have not been in anyone's five, let alone anyone's encore. Same with Bowie, which I find... Bowie was on my list. I took Bowie off. <laughs> Prince hasn't been in everyone's list, but the, beat, the Stones have been a headliner. Good one. See, Prince is a good one, but, you know. But then, but if you're putting Prince, then you've got to put James Brown. Yeah, absolutely. But I know that's you're the Michael Jackson, you're putting James Brown. Putting Bruno Mars, you're putting James Brown. <laughs> you know what I mean? Beatles, that's... Yeah, the Beatles, I just can't believe. Again, they're not in my five either, but I can't believe we're 14 in and the Beatles haven't made an appearance. So... A Beatles song, sorry to digress, is, is the way. No, you're fine. Well, the thing with the Beatles is I feel like if you put, if for me, see, James Brown was the first name on. If the Beatles was the first name on, I'll bet my list would be different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but 
if I had a chance to see the Beatles or see James Brown, I'm going to choose James Brown every day. You know, the Beatles are putting a good show, I'm sure, but James Brown is going to, he's going to light your hair on fire. So James Brown, you know, that's, that's the way my list went. But I had to nod to the Beatles because the Beatles were probably controversial, maybe, but if not the greatest band of all time or the greatest writers of all time, um, definitely deserve a nod. So this is a nod to the Beatles. And the song I chose is In My Life because I thought that everyone could smash the hell out of that tune, you know. They could all like do a good version of it together or on their own. So <clears throat> that was my choice. Great Nothing more than that, really. I mean, the lyric lyrically, I thought, yeah, it's soulful enough. It's 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 person. It's heartfelt enough that also it would get a serious reaction from the other artists, because some of the Beatles tunes, as we know, some of them were tongue in cheek, and some of them were were you know comical in in ways. And some were light-hearted. I think In My Life was one of their songs that were quite not the opposite to that. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was part of it too, you know, that, that a song that these other artists would definitely take serious in covering, covering. Great song. Great track. Great choice. So I don't know we've discussed this, but would you have a sentence to sum up your Fantastical? Is there any one sentence that pops to mind to ha- how you would promote your Fantastical? I don't think I'd have to, mate. <laughs> you have, have to either. The last couple of people have said that. Names up on a board. And that'd be it. Itself. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, amazing. It'd, be, it'd be like Jack Daniels Promotions or something. Something <laughs> stupid like that. Jim Beam Promotions. So I think it's time yeah. to lock in your fantastical. So you can still make any changes before we wrap up this bad boy. So in your opening slot, we're going to have Steely Dan in the Kings County Music Festival at Prospect Park. Super seconds, we're going to have The Clash. In the third Midway Master slot, we've got the one and only Man in Black, Johnny Cash. In your pre-headline slot, we've got Nina Simone. And headlining your fantastical, the funk soul brother, the godfather of soul, Mr. James Brown. The album to be played in full, Asia by Steely Dan. And your encore is going to be in my life that all five acts are going to perform robert allen are you happy to lock this in once it's done it's done mate you can't go back on it <laughs> that is banging i would pay a thousand dollars for a ticket for that gig i'd pay five thousand i'd pay ten grand <laughs> for a ticket to go and see that gig now, that would be a killer gig absolutely now in history brother mate close the in. book locked in amazing so before we wrap up then you mentioned you had a flavor flav story Let's, let's finish the podcast with a Flavor Flav. I'm sure, knowing about Flavor Flav, I'm sure it's going to be an awesome story. Um, so hang on. I'm, 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 let me just So Flavor Flav was in, um, is it Public Enemy or NWA? I forget. Public Enemy, he was in. Yeah, Public Enemy, right? So Public Enemy was playing, was playing uh, a festival that we were at. I think it was the Bill Bow Festival too. So we're, I'm sitting in the canteen. So I'm in the canteen. You know, all the artists can, can go in there and you sit down and you get your, your meals included. So, um, and normally you would take your meal times. Sometimes you'd do it together, but there'd be times where I'd go on my own because I might have sound checked, got my drums up. You know, I'm first to sound check or first to line check. So, we'd, you know, so I think, I think I was on my own sitting in the canteen and I remember it, it it was like a big marquee and it was all these like you know white kind of picnic big picnic tables that had these white tablecloths over them and I'm saying I pick up my me, me meal and I sit down and I've got me I've probably got my headphones on and I'm playing and this big bus pulls up pulls up to the front entrance everyone else has to go in the back right but not public enemy no 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 they pull up to the front of the marquee and out comes these you know these iconic members of this yeah. hip-hop band. and i'm like i'm sitting here and I've, i think i think my mouth's wide open now because the lasagna's all over my shirt I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking i'm like hang on is that public enemy and then flavor flav comes in on one of those fucking oh sorry excuse my name on a segway he comes in on a segway He's got the big clock, right? 
He's got these huge headphones on. He's got a massive clock. He's wearing his shorts and a vest, like a, ta- like a, like a tank top, with a big clock on a Segway with a goblet, a gold goblet, right? With, and I think he's wearing a hat with like horns coming out of it. And he's just, he's riding, he's riding around the marquee. He's just riding around. He's not even eating. He's just riding around it. And everyone's just, everyone stopped eating and just looking at Flavor Flav. Just with his, it was the most surreal thing. I'm like, just someone drops a acid in my lasagna. I'm like, is this really happening? I'll never forget it. It was so, it was funny, weird. But what was also equally weird was, or funny, it was almost like Flavor Flav was like the five-year-old that the band put up with. Because yeah. they didn't even know, they didn't even like acknowledge. It was almost like this is what he does. It was almost, an eyelid, it? Yeah, different about an eyelid. It was just, they come in, they got their food, they're sitting down, all the crew. I mean, these dudes are big too. You won't mess with any of these cats. They're huge. And uh, like proper, like representing California, Compton, Inglewood, wherever, you know. And, um, and then just flavor flavors just start rolling around. Amazing. Amazing. I'll never forget that. Great, <laughs> great story. That's a great story. So I guess that is a perfect place to end it. Rob, thank you so much for joining me. Um, it's been amazing to talk to you all the way live from New York. What do the next couple of months look like for you, Lynn, and how do people go about finding you on social media if they've enjoyed hearing your stories tonight? Firstly, if my mum listens to this, mum, I'm sorry about the F-bomb. I didn't mean it. It just came out. I'm really sorry. <laughs> She'll clip me around the ear roll when she sees me. She will. So I'll be, I'll be, I'll be like doing something in the kitchen and then whack! And I'll be like, what was that for? That was for swearing on the podcast. fantastic <laughs> podcast seven months ago. I'm like, you remember that seven months ago? Um, so um, uh, what am I doing? You can find me. right? Okay, so I'm going give to you, give you guys a little secret here. Uh, my, current, my current tag, it was done when I was a kid and I was a young man and uh, it kind of stuck. But it has, it has and it hasn't helped me over the years. My my tag is drum god Rob. It was a joke. It was it was done as a laugh, as tongue in cheek. Um, but that I you know I, I don't think I'll be keeping that much longer. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, but uh, that's that's my Facebook. You know Robert Allen, drum god Rob. That's my uh, Facebook, <laughs> Instagram, uh, what have you. Um, and you know I've been collaborating with um, a guy called Jordan Hemingway. I co-produced with Eric Sanderson from Augustine's co-produced his, uh, his debut EP. It's very oh. good. Pete Cadis um, mixed it. Um, we recorded it out in uh, Harbour Studios where I play out of a lot. That's Eric Sanderson's studio. Um, I've been doing lots, lots of sessions um, for, for artists. I've also been working with India Lake. India Lake is like a very, she's a young pop artist. She's excellent, very good. She's got some new music coming out. I hope to be going on tour with her. Um, so check India out on uh, Spotify. Jordan is out on Spotify. We're currently writing, he, you know, doing demos for his new record. Um, I've got a couple other fun things in the in the in the works. I'm um, I'm also working on my own music for like fun stuff. It's like weird electronic stuff that I've been doing that I might release under my name or under someone else's. Uh, I don't know, um, but yeah, over the next year, six months, I'm definitely stepping up my game. Like I said before, I was burnt out pretty badly. Uh, I had a rough couple of years um, in, in my private life too. So that kind of, you know, uh, that with that on top of, of you know, the, the heavy workload of all these things, you know, took its toll on me. So, but I'm back with a vengeance, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I've, got the, I've, got, I've got the uh i've got the life in me again to to, to play music and to uh create so i um, mean you know doing all that is kind of happening now and so you know stay stay tuned uh watch this space love it lots going on i wish you all the best for that mate you deserve it you deserve you. it so that is it thank you for listening to the 14th episode of the fantastical podcast if you've enjoyed tonight's podcast please subscribe give the podcast a review on iTunes or if you're listening on Spotify or Anchor, please give us a follow and recommend the podcast to all your families and friends. The podcast is also on Twitter 
So make sure if you're on Twitter, you follow us at Fantastical P and you can also email us at fantasticalpodcast at outlook.com as we'd love to hear from you. Again, I say every week, you can't play music on podcasts. It would be great to have some music from all these themes and all Rob's choices. But again, you know, we're lucky enough to live in a Spotify world, a YouTube world, hv.com. You can get most of these albums for pretty cheap these days on CD or vinyl. So go and check them out. And also we have a fantastical playlist on Spotify. So go and check that out. I'll get some of Rob's choices from his artists mentioned and get those added to the playlist. So Rob, again, thanks very much. What a great experience having you on. So I'll be back soon with episode number 15. So please make sure to join me. But until then, stay safe, my fantastical friends. Please continue to spread the word. And that word is fantastical. Thank you for listening. (laughs) 